Since last we spoke, Tennessee has rolled in another commitment, this time for the 2024 signing class. A junior college defensive lineman will tell you all about who he is, plus an interesting conversation about name, image, and likeness, what's going on at Ole Miss, and why that's not happening here at Tennessee. That, your mailbag questions, and all more here on a Tuesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, making Locked On Vols your first listen every single day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. Got a fun show coming up. Uh, why isn't Tennessee doing what Ole Miss is doing in the transfer portal right now? Major concerns for NIL and maybe the Spire Collective. We'll talk about that here in a matter of seconds. Uh, plus, Jamal Wallace, we're going to get into here on the top, a defensive lineman from the JUCO ranks who have committed to Tennessee. What's his story? And then all of your mailbag questions here on a Monday show or on a Tuesday show. All right, real quick, Jamal Wallace. Um, interesting prospect, if you will. So he comes from the junior college ranks, and he was a former skill player in high school, like played wide receiver, defensive back, that type of stuff. And he put on about 100 pounds. His playing weight at the JUCO level was about 275, 280. And in fact, he's actually uh, around 300 pounds when he came in for his official visit at Tennessee this past weekend. Um, you never want to, you, you can never have too many defensive linemen, especially when Rodney Garner is your position coach. And and why I like this one is he's a former skill guy, so he's got that twitch. Um, he's quick, he's athletic, and he's really kind of coming into his body now, putting on, again, about 100 pounds in the span of about two to three years. And a lot of that's good muscle as well. And once you get into his college uh, strength and conditioning program, he's only going to refine that. Um, he came in, you know, official visit, liked what he saw, uh, gave Tennessee a commitment while he's on his official visit, got home, went ahead and made it official, and he is going to be a part of Tennessee's 2024 signing class uh, with signing day you know, coming coming tomorrow. And, um, man, it's, 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 it's wild that signing day is tomorrow, and we haven't already had three shows about signing day. It just kind of goes to show you how insignificant signing day is nowadays. Um, I mean, it's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. Recruiting is a huge deal. Recruiting, um, you guys are asking about numbers here later, in, later on in the show. Um, and when we get into the mailbag portion of the show, recruiting always pulls big numbers. So I'm not trying to say that's not anything, but um, what signing day used to be into what signing day is now, it's it's really kind of diminished. But anyway, he'll be a part of that class. And uh, what I like about him is he's kind of an edge player, um, kind of that five technique, Tyler Barron type role, not the Leo, but on the other side. Um, he's already got the frame to where he's around 300 pounds right now. And I feel like in 2025, really your only defensive tackles on roster right now, Nathan Robinson and Trevor Duncan. And so I think he's going to end up on the inside and, and be a guy Tennessee can kind of count on. So Jamal Wallace going to be a part of the class of 2024. A bit of a project, but um, I, I like um, I like his story in, in terms of who he is and where he got to his where he is right now. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. Nonetheless, wanted to make that note because that was a commitment on Sunday nights. I went ahead and recorded Monday's show before that commitment came in. But Jamal Wallace has committed to the University of Tennessee. All right, so a couple of your mailbag questions um, were asked, and I want to I want to take some time and talk about this specific one in, in segment number one. A couple of YouTubers chimed in. NJ uh, Tom Tennessee said it's so underwhelming to get these guys while Lane Kiffin 
is getting the best of the best at Ole Miss. You tell me why they're not getting Juice Wells, Tyler Barham, Walter Nolan, the princely dude from Florida. I can't say his name either. And we got guys from MTSU and a tight end from a good school, but no one's ever heard of. Heibel can't recruit, and apparently we aren't getting the money to get these guys. Not a good combo. Uh, Roba22, proud Volquester and listener to the show, man. I appreciate you as always. He says, Eric, can you clear up some of the concerns, questions the UT fans have about the collective spire? Um, so many rumors out there that it's not um, being at the same level with other schools or won't work with certain players. UT fans see our players leave and go here and there in the SEC and blame our collectives as to the reason why. I know some fans will never understand, but can we try? Thanks for everything you do. So I, I thought those were both really good questions and statements and, and you know here for Twitter Tuesday, both from Roba and from uh, NJ at, at Tennessee. And, and I want to kind of expand on, on all that. So what Ole Miss is ha- what Ole Miss is doing right now with Lane Kiffin is really impressive. Um, I mean, looks like they're going to land Walter Nolan, got Juice Wells. I mean, they've got tons and tons of portal commits. Tyler Barron is obviously a huge portal addition to uh, to uh, Ole Miss, based on what he did at Tennessee this past year. Uh, they got the defensive back from Mississippi State on Monday that is uh, committing to Ole Miss. I mean. Yeah, it's Mary McDonald. I mean, they're getting a lot and a lot and a lot of players. Looks like Jackson Dart's coming back. Junkins is coming back as well. Um, you know, they're they're obviously kind of going all in for 2024. And so that's Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss's direction. That's what they want to do. Obviously, their collective, I think it's the um uh, the, something the the Rebel Grove or, or something like that. Anyway, whatever their collective is, that is their strategy right now in terms of how they're building their team. We talk about all the time roster management. How do you want to build your roster for the upcoming season? And so you're seeing that this is what Lane Kiffin wants to do. He did it a lot last year, won 10 games this year. He's doing it again. Um, you saw it with Florida State this past year. Had a pretty good year, right? And a lot of people believe they should be in the college football playoff. Um, you saw Texas A&M do it a couple years ago with the signing class. Now, I think you'd have more success doing this with the transfer portal because these players are older, more mature, uh, both in terms of where they are, you know, in their headspace and also, you know, their bodies being physically mature to play in the Southeastern Conference and other places. So we've seen teams kind of do this. And I think it truly goes back to how are you trying to build your roster? Lane Kiffin is showing that, hey, I want to be the portal king. And I want to go all in on 2024, and I want to win a national championship. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're a fan of that program right now, you're jacked up and ready to roll. Um, Lane Kiffin also with Ole Miss, they're, I think they're ranked, I, I don't have it pulled up here, apologies. I think they're ranked 17th or 18th in terms of their recruiting class for 2024, which is not horrible, but certainly back into the pack in the SEC. Tennessee has slid down to like 11 or 12. And so I'm not trying to say Tennessee is much further along, but my point is their emphasis is transfer portal and not building from the high school ranks. In my opinion, the lifeline of your football program will always be recruiting at the prep level. It's changed some. I recognize that. But getting, get, signing large classes, getting them on campus, getting them in strength and conditioning programs, developing them, and then seeing what happens. So that is what Ole Miss is doing. Florida State did it. Texas A&M did it. Uh, with its signing class a couple years ago. Does that mean that other collectives around the country, such as Spire or the Volunteer Club or anything, is out of money? No, it does not. Um, It's just going to... Let's use this as an example, okay? I don't know specifics, um, 
but Juice Wells was wanting to get his bread. Juice Wells was wanting a massive payday. It's not that Tennessee couldn't pay Juice Wells, in my opinion. It's just, why would you allocate all those funds to one player who's going to be here one year? When you can allocate those funds to maybe two or three players in the signing class or to two lesser known players in the transfer portal. You know what I'm saying? Tyler Barron had a great year and Tyler Barron came in here. I believe he graduated. He played four years at Tennessee. He's wanting to go make money and go somewhere else. That's his prerogative. I don't, I don't, you know, that I, I have no ill will towards him or any other player that tries to do that. But if you're Tennessee and if you're a collective would you want to allocate so many of those funds to a guy like Juice Wells or to Tyler Barron, or would you want to spread it out a little bit? That's kind of where I come into it. A lot of people are frustrated because they see what Ole Miss is doing and Tennessee's not doing that. Um, I get that. I mean, again, I pulled these two questions out because I thought they were kind of similar in nature, and I'm not nitpicking the questions at all, the posters. I, I hear you. I think it's just all about where you are prioritizing your allocation. And clearly, Tennessee wants a balance. There's a lot of teams out there that – want to balance. You want to sign a solid recruiting class. You want to get solid players from the high school ranks. You want to go and cherry pick what you, what you need at the transfer portal and and sometimes go get a guy in the transfer portal that can come in here and be here for a couple of years or just a stopgap guy to come in here like a McAllen Castles. You know, that was a priority for Tennessee last year. Holden stays the tight end position is a priority this year for Tennessee. And so maybe you need to allocate a little bit more funds to make sure that you secure that, if you will. So I think it's just all about direction. Um, and what's interesting about this is the college football playoffs, you know, Ole Miss would be in it this year if it was 12 teams. Tennessee would have been in it last year if it was 12 teams. Florida State would be in it this year if it was 12 teams. You go all in on this, you have an opportunity to play for a college football playoff national championship. And so, is it worth it? You know, I, I, who am I to decide if that's worth it for Ole Miss or for Florida State or for Texas A&M with its signing class a couple years ago? Um, I, I don't know. It's just that's the direction of those programs. So to kind of bring this full circle, I, I thought it was really, really interesting because, again, it's like every time you pick up your phone, oh, Ole Miss is going to, you know, the leader is delaying this guy and this guy and this guy. Um, it's of my opinion that it's all about where you are prioritizing building your roster. And it looks like Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss are putting all the chips in the center of the, of the table and saying, all right, we're all in for 2024. All in. All in. And if you win a national championship, if you make a deep college football playoff run, then maybe that's worth it. Whereas for Tennessee and other programs, you want to be competitive. You want to be in that realm of competing for a championship, but you also want to set yourself up for some success in 2025 and 2026. And so I think that's more the priority priority there. Again, that's my opinion, and it's frustrating. If you're a Tennessee fan, you're seeing what's going on in Ole Miss. I get that. But that's kind of my thoughts on kind of where that's going. It's all about how you are prioritizing your roster. All right, when we come back, we'll get into your questions. Tons of questions for the mailbag edition of the show. I appreciate you guys, as always, for uh, tuning in and sending in those questions. That is coming up next right here on Locked on Balls. Do you want to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors? Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle, leveled up to peak performance from superchargers, roof rack, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money is back. Because of eBay Motors, you're burning rubber 
not cash. With all the parts you need at the price that you want, it's easy to see why it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep a ride or die or alive with eBay Motors at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guarantees fit, only available to U.S. customers. More with Locked On Vols coming up next, right here on Tuesday's show. All right, guys, welcome back into Locked On Vols, Tuesday's edition of the show. And with that, let's get into your mailbag questions. Uh, we'll pull some from the YouTube ranks here. Third Aspect says, question for tomorrow's show, where are we on the left guard situation? So you're seeing Tennessee for 2024. You need to develop more tackles. You need to develop guys behind them. You need to have depth. I say that all the time. But for 2024, you're pretty much set at tackles with Gerald Mincy, with uh, John Campbell, with Dane Davis. Those are three tackles that have played a lot and you feel feel you know really, really good about. What you, what you need help is in the interior. Cooper Mays is coming back. Javante Spragans is believed to come back. Andre Carrick is coming back. Andre Carrick was a part-time starter. Ollie Lane is going on. He's exhausted his eligibility. You need help finding a guard. You need help in the interior. And so really the only name at this point that Tennessee is seriously in on is, is, a, is a guard from the transfer portal uh, from Florida, and his name is Jalen Farmer. He came in, visited, and you know, liked catching up with Glenn Ellerby, liked catching up with Josh Heupel, said that they have a clear path for him, they have a clear direction for him, that'd be that left guard spot. He's gone on with some other visits and everything. We'll check in in a couple days and see where that is. But the plan for right now in addressing the guard situation, left guard in the transfer portal, will be Jalen Farmer. If you miss out on Farmer, and just because if you get Farmer, that doesn't mean he's your guaranteed starter, um, you know, you're going to be repping guys in the interior like Jackson Lampley, like Andre Keurig, and and hopefully some of those young guys can step up and, you know, you can get a look there as well. So that's kind of the uh, left guard situation. All right, let's move on to Paul Stuxness, I believe is, is the handle here. How much does having a charismatic personality affect recruiting? Not criticizing Coach Heupel, uh, but getting spanked by high-profile coaches and programs with good NIL or with with flashy per, uh, personalities and all that is uh, kind of annoying. All right, so I think a lot of the pro the prospects, both at the high school ranks and the transfer portal ranks, really like Josh Heupel. He's chill. His demeanor's laid back. Um, he knows football. He loves his team. Loves his kids. Uh, loves his offense. And there's a lot of aspects about Josh Heupel that that prospects like and prospects kind of relate to as well. Um, Josh Heupel's not like Lane Kiffin. Josh Heupel's not like Eli Drinkwitz. Josh Heupel's not like Shane Beamer. Josh Heupel's very different type of personality than those guys. Uh, you know, Ole Miss kind of going off the conversation, building off that from segment one, you're seeing a lot of success there. I just think that comes with a lot of different net factors. Obviously, the allocation of NIL funds, uh, a priority in the transfer portal. Not saying it's not a priority for Tennessee in the transfer portal, but I think it's a little bit different. And so I think that has a whole lot to do with it. Plus, I mean, when you're when you're getting guys and, and it's looking like your team's going to be pretty good, you want to go and be a part of that. You want to go and join that. So I think a lot of that has to do with it as well. Um, I think Josh Heupel and members of his staff can stand to be a bit more aggressive, certainly at times. Um, but I think overall his laid back personality doesn't. That's not something. That's not a reason why Tennessee's ranked 11th in recruiting right now, according to On Three, in my opinion. All right, let's go to Super Nerd Hoyt two six eight three. Now the football season is winding down. I'd personally like to hear some news about the baseballs. Who was pitching? First base, hot batters, etc. Thanks. Listen every day. Thank you. I appreciate you listening every, every day. 
it's kind of a work in progress, right? They just finished up, or a couple weeks ago, they finished up uh, the fall practice slate, had a couple of exhibitions, had tons of inter-squad scrimmages. I was over there to watch them uh, numerous times. Starting pitchers, you know that Drew Beam's going to headline that rotation. A.J. Russell's going to be in there either on Saturday or Sunday, and Tennessee is in search for a number three starting pitcher. And we don't have the answer to that right now. Could it be a freshman, one of these highly touted freshmen that uh, kind of dipped their toes and got them wet during the fall semester? Could it be a guy like Wyatt Evans coming back from injury? Could it be a guy like Nate Sneed, a transfer portal commit that throws that can hit triple digits? Is it going to be an A.J. Causey, a veteran that throws kind of sideways, side side-armed if you will about said sidewinder that that was an old ride at dollywood um and he's been used as an opener during his time before could it be chris stamos who's uh more of a back end of the bullpen type guy that could be an opener as well um we'll see we'll see i mean aj causey wasn't really an opener he was more of a starting pitcher in 2023 uh but he was a reliever in 2022 anyway tennessee has some options and we asked tony vitello at the end of fall kind of where he is in that regards he's like we don't know and we probably won't know until we get into the season um he was like i kind of like having that as a big variable right now depending on the week we could start this guy or whatever until somebody takes that job and, and runs with it so you know we'll see we'll see exactly what happens but that is a very much to be determined that third starting pitcher first base right now blake burke um robin villanueva a power hitting uh, junior college prospect that slashed 28 home runs at the juco level last year uh, he would back him up. He's also a DH option. Blake Burke's also seen a little bit of time at right field this fall, but I think he's going to be your first baseman. Hot hitters, of course, we know about Blake Burke, what he can do. Robin Villanueva is a guy that's going to be off the bench that I think is going to be good. Dalton Bargo from Missouri that was a true freshman designated hitter for the Tigers last year. He is what you call a super utility. He can play everything on the diamond except middle infield and probably center field. Um, super utility, and his bat's going to be in the order more so than not. Might not be a starter, but his bat's going to be in the order. But um, in terms of hitters that I liked over the fall, Cannon Peebles, you know, catcher coming over from NC State, Billy Yamick coming over from Clemson. Of course, Kavars Tears had a good good fall. Dylan Dryling had a good fall. And uh, Christian Moore had a good fall as well. I uh, can't wait for baseball season as well. Of course, I cover that for uh, VolQuest.com. Let's go to Christopher Welsh. Random question. Where does Locked On Vols rank among the Locked On Network? This is a pretty hungry fan base, just wondering where we are compared to other teams, subs, views, and time watch and all that. Great question. And um, again, I talk about it all the time, how I'm super, super blessed uh, that you guys come back, you everydayers. It's like a little bit of a cult, and I love it. <laughs> and um, I appreciate it. And a lot of you guys aren't everydayers. A lot of you guys might tune in from week to week, or maybe tune in for an episode or two a day. I appreciate you. Um the Tennessee fan base allows me to do this for a living. Okay, I get to work for VolQuest.com, which is a subscription-based company. I get to work for Locked On, the network, which is literally a subscription, or not a subscription, a uh, well, subs on YouTube. That helps. But it's more or less subscribing on wherever you listen to your podcasts and downloading those episodes. That's where that's where I get helped out the most. But um, Tennessee fans are incredible. Allow me to do this for a living. I couldn't be more thankful. That's why I always say I'm super, super thankful. To answer your question in terms of the Locked On Network, so we kind of break it down in tiers. <clears throat> There's a Locked On every football uh, professional football team, NFL. There's a Locked On every NBA team. There's a Locked On every uh, NHL team. There's a Locked On you know MLB team for everyone. And so since I've been with the network, there was about – when I started around 25, 30 college shows, and that's grown to more than 70. 
and because of you guys, because of you guys, um, I can proudly say that that in the college channel, Lockdown Vols is number two. Usually, you know, month to month, it's number two um, in terms of audio downloads, and that's incredible. Lockdown Auburn's ahead of us. Uh, Zach Blackerby, who's actually our channel manager, he's been on the show a couple times. He, man, during during COVID, or no, it was it was just after COVID during 2021. Um, man, his show just took off, just took off. And so, um, it was, he had massive growth during that time period. So he's been the number one for, for the last couple of years, locked on vaults, Josh Ward, when he had it. And then since I've had it, we've been at number two, I think Josh might've been at number one a time or two before the explosion of locked on Auburn. But anyway, um, locked on ball is number two routinely in the network in terms of college. Now, YouTube, I'm, I'm in the top 10. I'll, I'm usually always in the top 10 for YouTube. Uh, sometimes as high as number two, sometimes, you know, seven or eight, but I'm typically always in the top two in terms of YouTube views as well. But, uh, number two on the college channel routinely. And I, I can't thank you guys enough for that. That means so much. Now, if you were to compare locked on balls to maybe a, a locked on Titans or a locked on any other professional team out there, I would say locked on balls is bigger than a lot of those professional shows. I, I don't know which ones I'm, I, I'm not privy to those numbers or anything, but um, Locked on Ball is one of the biggest shows on the network, and, and it's all because of you guys. And I can't thank you guys enough for that, seriously. All right, when we come back, more of your questions, comments, and concerns as we continue to roll on here for a Twitter Tuesday, X Tuesday edition of the show uh, right here on your Locked on Balls. All right, guys, we've got a couple more questions to get into, so let's go ahead and do just that. Uh, we'll go to Adam. With the current portal commits, along with who we know who are staying another year, do you see 2024 team having more potential than this year's team? I feel like this year's team had potential that they did not live up to. It's a really good question. Good question. I'm going to take a, a quick quick sip here. I'm trying this new thing where typically in years past I would uh, you know, record a segment, press pause, gather some notes, take a drink of water, then press play, and, and just kind of slice it all together at the end. Slipping in these new like little markers for the national shows to pick up this show and so you got to place these markers in there and so i'm trying to record it straight through so <laughs> for a guy that used to do three hours of radio every every morning um kind of get back into that so i'm trying to do all this through so i had to take a sip of water anyway um good question adam i think that you know the offensive line coming back the majority of the offensive line coming back is just a huge boost plus when you're starting with a brand new quarterback that has unlimited potential but Still kind of a question mark because we haven't seen him play routinely. I view Nico much like Joe entering this past year where we knew Joe's strengths, but could he do it consistently? We've seen enough in Nico to know his strengths, but we haven't seen him enough to play an awful lot to know his uh, consistent strengths and weaknesses. So I view that as a question, but so much upside of potential. Um, so that's good. Um, I like what they have at wide receiver coming back. We'll see if they can make an addition via the transfer portal. I like what they have at running back coming back. I like the defensive line. I honestly like the depth of linebacker, especially with Keenan Peely coming back. And then you're going to be young and then experience in the secondary. Uh, but it should be exciting because uh, it's been kind of static back there the last couple of years. So I think there's going to be potential for Tennessee uh, in 2024 for sure. But as always, it's all about the quarterback. If the quarterback hits, your team is going to hit. If your quarterback doesn't, your team's going to struggle. Uh, let's see. Robo 22 says, what are you hoping to see in the bowl game besides Nico? And what do you think uh, was the motivated motivation behind so many linemen returning to play another season? I think a lot of that motivation is you just kind of sit here and say, all right, well, am I going to be a high draft pick? Could I come back and work to be a higher draft pick? 
if I'm not going to be a draft pick, am I done playing football? And then how much will it cost to get me back? And so I think a lot of those were the conversations towards the end of the season. And plus the, um, you know, being able to play with Nico, I think was a factor as well. So um, I think there's that. What are you hoping to see in the bowl game besides Nico? These young defensive backs, Ricky Gibson's going to start. Um, Jordan Matthews might play. Christian Conyer might play. Maybe John Slaughter. These young defensive backs I'm excited to see in the Citrus Bowl. Let's go to Aaron. <clears throat> Aaron said he tried to think of a question that had to do with the 2024 team, but he got nothing. So with that said, give your prediction on who takes a shot on Joe and where does Wright end up? Oh, goodness gracious. I honestly haven't even given two thoughts on what team could select Joe Milton or or uh, <laughs> Jalen Wright. I still am under the impression that they're going to go goo-goo-ga-ga over Joe Milton at senior ball practices, at the combine, at his pro day. I'm not saying he'll be a first-round pick. Typically, you don't see quarterbacks being selected in the second round. If Joe slides past the third round, I would honestly be shocked. And again, I understand a lot of people are saying, but he sucks, you know, all this type of stuff. Guys, just like that ex-girlfriend, maybe for you or maybe for someone else, no, but I can fix him. No, but I can work with him. No, but I can co coaches are the same way. No, but he hadn't been coached by me. Okay. He'll reach his full potential with me. Tell us oldest time guys. I mean, we've seen that with quarterbacks in the last 30 drafts. And so if Joe Milton were to slide past the third round, I'd be shocked. Jalen Wright's interesting. Um, I think he's a mid rounder for sure. And, um, which NFL teams get those VFLs promise to have a better question next week. Now that's a good question, man. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I'll know more as we dive into NFL draft prep, but I think both of those guys probably mid rounders, you know, towards the top. Let's go to Jared. Does Baron care more about making the most of NIL while he can rather a into the draft, not get selected high enough and not make as much money. Uh, he would doing NIL for one more year of college or B state UT play opposite of Pierce, make less NIL in hopes of getting a higher draft pick. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not Tyler Barron. I can't, I can't tell you, you know, what's going on in his mind. I can't tell you what he values more. I think um, he would have made some money here if he stayed. I do think he would make money more, which is more if he were to leave, which is why he left. Um, I think he'll have the same amount of opportunity to uh, up his stock and go to the NFL at Ole Miss than he would at Tennessee. So I don't know. I mean, if, if everything's kind of the same, then maybe it is the NIL factor. But again, I'm not Tyler Barron, so I can't answer that uh, truthfully. Let's go to Smith here. How's Brew? Haven't heard much about him on Lockdown Vols or VolQuest. Yeah, last I heard about Brew, he's continuing to get feedback from the NFL. And, um, you know, people like the people like to think that he's leaning towards coming back. But again, uh, I haven't heard an awful lot. Uh, but last I heard, he was still trying to get find a little, you know, feedback, if you will. Uh, but Tennessee likes their chances to have him return. So we'll see if that becomes uh, to fruition. Let's see here. Roba has another question. Can you give us an update on who is yet to announce and what their plans are? I think we have Brew, Gabe, and Sprags. Can't wait for the show in the morning. Appreciate you as always, man. Yeah, just talked about Brew. He hadn't made anything official yet. Gabe Judy Lolly hasn't made anything official yet. Um, at this point, I'd be I would lean towards he's going, you know, on with life or to the NFL. Uh, Spragans, I would lean that he's coming back. Dane Davis, again, I mentioned, has not made an announcement. I think he's coming back. Jackson Lampley hasn't made an announcement. I think he's coming back. Omar Norman Lott, Elijah Simmons have not made announcements, but I think they are coming back. I think that might be it. I think that might be it. Uh, Robert says, do the transfer portal players get to participate in bowl practices? Yes, they do. McCallum Castles participated in bowl practices last year. Andre Keurig participated in bowl practices last year. 
Um, Holden Stays is going to get in here towards the end of the week, I think, and he'll get to be he'll get to participate in bowl practices. Obviously, they can't play. Uh, Robert goes on to say, how does it work with bowl gifts? Tyler Barron going to the Citrus Bowl. Is he going to get Citrus Bowl swag or New Year's Six swag with Ole Miss? Can they even be on the sidelines for the game? The sideline question is a good question. I would assume no. I'll follow up on that. I would assume they can't be on the sideline. As far as swag, I don't know. I would assume that Tyler Barron and McDonald and Danico Slaughter, they all probably have a Citrus Bowl gift pack, and they'll probably ship it to them. Um, I would not, I do not believe that they're going to get New Year's Six Bowl swag like, you know, for Tyler Barron going to, uh, you know, going to Ole Miss. I don't think that he obviously would, uh, you know, count for that. I got a couple more here. Trevor says, what's one positive, one negative, and one thing you would change about the transfer portal right now? A lot of this is, my answer is going to kind of circulate with all of it a little bit. So I think a negative thing is how the month of December is so jam-packed for coaches. I think if you move signing day back to February, or if you want to have an early signing day, you move it up to August, August 31st or August 1st or whatever, then that would alleviate some of the pressure in December. Now, if you have it in August, then people are going to say, what if coaches get fired? What if coaches get fired? Those players who sign on with the program in August, in my opinion, and their coaches get fired, then they have the opportunity to go somewhere else, sign somewhere else is how I would do it. If you do that, if you move signing day, then in the month of December, you're honestly just working on transfer portal def- deflections and additions to your roster. So that's kind of how I would uh, that's how I would handle that. Let's go to James. Should Hypel consider making a staff change to bring in a guy who's primarily a recruiter? I know it's not that simple, but it's pretty clear that this class is disappointing considering the momentum that was built on the field in 2022 and the momentum on the recruiting trail over the summer. I mean, Tennessee was sprinting into the season, you know, high on recruiting. And so it's kind of taken a backseat this year or this fall, if you will. Um, Maybe you can't build a staff on recruiters on only recruiters. Look at Jeremy Pruitt's staff had a ton of recruiters insert jokes about how they cheated. I hear you. Um, But the, I mean, the development wasn't there on the field, right? I mean, you had guys that were, that were coaching positions that had never coached those positions before, and it made no sense. So I think there's a mix in there. Um, I would not be opposed to hiring a quote-unquote recruiter to your staff. Um, I wouldn't. But also, you know, a lot of, like Glenn Ellerby gets a lot of flack. Glenn Ellerby will never be fired by Josh Heupel, at least at this time, in my opinion, because those guys are boys. And Josh Heupel is convinced that he cannot run his offense without Glenn Ellerby. Um, so I think it's more about development than recruiter. But I personally would not be opposed to having one quote-unquote stud recruiter on the staff uh claude says with all the conference realignment why does vandy stay in the sec wouldn't teams like uh, that have better chances in the big 12 or even the acc yes they would have better chances the reason vanderbilt and like northwestern stays in the big 10 and vanderbilt stays in the sec because that revenue splits all the money in the world they are getting paid to be in the sec that's a simple question or simple answer there um let's see here let's go over to the lockdown balls account i think i've got one more over here and this is from our guy bruce on the loose here to end the show should we be concerned about our kids leaving for Ole miss and arkansas what is up with our collective is it about money yeah i kind of talked about that in segment number one um i think a lot of these players are saying okay i'll be open to coming back here's my price And I think a collective here at Tennessee would say, well, here's market value. 
you're asking for way over market value. So here's as much we're here is as much as we are willing to pay to have you come back. And then I think some of these players are saying, okay, well, I'm going to go test my, you know, you know, take a risk on myself and see if I can get more elsewhere. And I think, I think a lot of the cases, that's why some of these super seniors have left. Remember a lot of these guys, Tennessee's only lost nine players of the transfer portal on scholarship. And a lot of those nine, they'd be done anyway. You know, they'd be exhausted their eligibility, if not for the COVID year. So I don't think there's a worry about the collective. Um, it is weird seeing guys who played at Tennessee for four years go and play at Arkansas or go and play at Ole Miss. That is a little bit weird, but hey, that is the reality of college football as we know it right now. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to a Twitter Tuesday edition of Locked On Balls, the mailbag edition of the show. Appreciate you guys as always. We'll talk with Josh Ward coming up on tomorrow's show for Ward Wednesday. I will give you the latest and the up-to-date information with Tennessee and the transfer portal. All that and more coming up on your Wednesday, Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys.